Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, we're doing this remote because school is back in session. Um, and I'm a teacher. And you're a teacher, and I've got a kid in school, and COVID is raging all around us. And we've talked about this. I feel like the walls are closing in on us. Yes. Um, most certainly, there. It's, it's. we're getting to a point where I don't think there's any way around one of the two of us, if not both of us, being quarantined. Yeah, it's, and, it's knocking on my door a lot lately. And if that's the case, then whoever gets it, whoever gets the quarantine first, we have to go to the other person's house and cough on them so we can quarantine together. Yes, and we need two PlayStation 4s over there when we, we do. do that. Yeah, so whoever gets it first, we'll bring the PlayStation, cough on the other person, and we're out. We're, we're ready <laughs> our, to go. our wives are going to be like, what's that duffel bag in the corner? We're like, that's our go bag. That's a go bag. Our, <laughs> our games, Blu-rays, some <laughs> yeah. like, board games in it. Yeah. That's, uh, why, are, why do you have the entire like board game library packed up? Just in case. Just in case. Uh, but like, we only have the clothes that we're wearing. <laughs> Aren't you guys going to? No, we'll be fine. Didn't, didn't have room for another pair of jeans. Wait, you're bringing one pair? Well, the, if I'm wearing them, I'm I, not covering your house or, you know, leaving pantsless, so. I, I mean, I guess. You leave pantsless most of the time. I do. Oh, well. Uh, Ryan has a sexy voice today because. Yes, I do. Unlike on my end where I'm just, I don't have a special fancy mic, Ryan has his fancy snowball over there. Um, so his voice is extra sexy. If you want a snow, if you want a good mic, get a blue snowball. They're great. Yeah. Blue, pay us a little bit of money now, or just give Steve a snowball because he wants one now. Yeah, I would like some blue balls. Blue snowballs. Blue snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we um, we just talked before coming on this episode about getting back to kind of a regular schedule. We have some good ideas of what we're going to do coming up. But before we do that, we have to finish our Lord of the Rings trilogy because we've done two, and we just have to do the third. So we were supposed to watch Battle of Five Armies, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, it's the one with the Daleks. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And they have to go through the uh, like closet and the, there's a lion in it. Yeah, that's the one we watched. Okay, good. I, I'm yeah. just making sure I did the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're on the same page there. And, there. and Neil Patrick Harris is in it. And he's like some uncle or something. He, he says he's an uncle. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, so, yes, we did watch Return of the King. Well, honestly, I didn't watch it, but I've seen it so damn many times. Okay, so here, here's my story. Okay. I, I was going to watch it yesterday morning, Sunday mm-hmm. morning. I watched this Charlie Kaufman movie on Saturday night called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Didn't you watch this, like, twice? Yeah, it fucked me up. Yeah, like, why did you watch it? It's not even my favorite. It was just, I don't know. I don't know. I think I am having some sort of nervous breakdown or existential crisis or something. But I watched that movie. I'm like, eh, it was good. Little they could have cut down a little bit in the car, you know. As very dialogue heavy, and I love dialogue, but it was a little overboard. But then it was like this sore that you get on your tongue that if you touch, it gets worse. But it's only on your mind. That's the only thing you could think of. And you have to touch it. Yeah. Yeah. So my touching it was I woke up on Sunday and instead of watching Return of the King, I literally watched I'm um, Thinking of Ending Things again for the second time within twelve hours. Man. 
How did you not end things? <laughs> it's it's a weird movie. Yeah. I, like, it, and the funny thing is it's not even my favorite Charlie Kaufman. Like, I like Adaptation more. I like uh, Eternal Sunshine more. Mm-hmm. I think I even like Schenectady, New York a little bit more. Because, like I said, there there is a good half hour that you could cut of this movie and make it better. But it was just... I was trying to figure out, trying to figure out why I felt that way. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember the last time a movie made me actually question my own sanity. Cause I'm like, am I depressed? Am I lonely? Do I relate to the guy? Is that the problem? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not any of those things, but it made me legit think it for a few minutes. I think now you're just talking about real life though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. It made me question my own reality. Right. Oh, we need a new reality. Even if yeah. it's I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so neither one of us then did our homework. But honestly, Ryan, I know you've seen it more than enough times. I've probably seen it, let's see, it came out in 2013. Yeah. I watched it every Christmas, so 16 times maybe? That At sounds least. about right. That sounds about right, yeah. I've yeah. seen it about that many times as well, if not more, because it's just one of those shows that I just turn on and I'll watch. Yeah, and anytime it was on TBS or TNT when I had it, I'd watch a half hour of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's the other part is maybe maybe I haven't seen the whole thing at every sitting, mm-hmm. but yeah, half an hour, 45 minutes every time, I, every time I see it on TV, which I don't have cable anymore, so it's a little bit harder just to find it on TV. Now it is a full sitting. Yeah, but when when I did, and there were certain scenes that if it was about to be, I was oh. gonna watch it. I'm like, if the elephants are coming, mm-hmm. I'm sitting down. If he's about to do something in the land of the dead, I'm watching. Yeah. If she's about to have her, I am no man. I'm watching through that. Yeah. Um, and and you've just come up with some fantastic scenes in this in this movie. I mean, this is the culmination of the trilogy, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. What impresses me about it, and we've talked about this in the previous two episodes, is there's no degradation from one to three no. in terms of perform. And, and granted, they filmed it at the same time, but in terms of performance, editing, sound design, there's no degradation. And this is one of the that, few trilogies you can say. That's why I think of it as one movie. Yeah, it is one movie. I mean, it's a ten-hour movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's at least ten hours. <laughs> um, and, and I have done that. I've done the back-to-back-to-back extended editions. And I did it once. It's, even for somebody like me who loves it, it's it takes a toll. Because yeah. it's a long time to sit and watch a movie. But it's worth it. If you haven't done yeah. it, it's worth it. Um, so, this movie picks up at the end, obviously, of uh, Two Towers. The Two Towers have fallen. Um... Well, one of the towers has fallen. Um, and we now have to follow Frodo into Mordor. Um, this one really... We talked about how this trilogy gives you hope. And I think this one gives you hope as well. But man, it sure starts in a dark place. Even, yeah. though, the, even though the tower's fallen, and that part looks good, now we've got to deal with Osgiliath, and we've got to deal with Frodo getting into Mordor, and it is... It's a fairly bleak outlook for our main hero there. Yes, and he gets bitten by a spider. Yes, he gets stabbed by a spider. He's going to be eaten by a spider until uh, 
the the person I still say is is the hero of the entire trilogy. Uh, Sam shows up and saves him. Mm-hmm. So, um, honestly, this this is your favorite of the three, right? Two Towers. Two, Two Towers, Towers is your favorite of the three. That's right. Okay. Uh, this is Addison's favorite of the three. Yes, and Addison. I should actually bring her in real quick. Yeah, yeah, let's hey, do Addison. that. Addison! <laughs> so professional, yelling for your daughter on the podcast. Yep. Hi, Addison. There you go. All right, so my, my daughter is here, so she's going to talk a little bit about uh, the Return of the King and why it's her favorite. Why is this one your favorite? Because I, that's really one of the best cal- character development. So, and it's like it has a, one great battle. Who's your favorite character? Sam. Yeah, Sam is, thank you. Yeah, that's a bright answer. That's that's the same thing with Steve. Why yeah, do you like no. Sam so much? Because he's loyal and nice. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite scene in this movie? Um. What's your favorite scene? What does she do? Uh, when she kills the guy that Witch no King? man, Eowyn, and says, "I am no man." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great scene. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about Return of the King? No, no, that's it. Mm-hmm. Have okay. you Have you read the books yet? No, we read the Hobbit together. Oh, you read the Hobbit together? Okay, gotcha. But we we haven't done the other ones, have we? All right, you can go play. Can play. Love Thank you, you Addison. Bye. And that's the highlight of the episode, folks. We're done now. I mean, yep. it's over. Um, yeah, so that was my uh, younger daughter. Her and I, it's a special thing for us that we watch it together every day Christmas. Um, we usually watch all six of them, so she always likes when we get to Return of the King because that's her favorite one. And, but, yeah, she loves the I Am No Man scene because, well, girl power and all that. Most certainly girl power. Um, it's a great scene, you know. I remember, well, obviously I've already read the books before, but I remember when that scene came up and that line is just, it's its perfectly set up, right? No yeah. man can kill me. And she takes off that helmet and Eowyn's like, I am no man. And then plunges the sword into his face. Or, I don't know, does he have a face? I don't know, his place his, where his face is. Yeah, the place where the face is. Um, and then he just like withers and... I mean, it's just, it's a cool scene. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, the, the camaraderie among all of them is fantastic. Um, to me, you, you mentioned the Oliphants. I love when the Oliphants show up. I love the City of the Dead and, and Aragorn having to go command um, the, the specters or spirits, whatever you want to call them, of, of the dead. It's just so well put together. Mm-hmm. Especially when, like, the um, ghost tries to, like, hurt Aragon. He brings up the sword. And, like, all of a sudden, they're, like, corporeal to him. He just grabs the one by the neck. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And, and you know, to me, that ties into the bigger story of Middle-earth, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the things that they did so well, or one of the things I should say that Tolkien did so well, was set up yeah. this whole world. Oh, uh, Peter Jackson he, did it? He didn't do much. It was all Peter Jackson. No, yeah. No, Tolkien didn't <laughs> do anything. Uh, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, Not like anybody has been inspired by him to do anything. No, I don't think there's a single person on the face of the earth that has read Tolkien and was like, I'm inspired to do something. I think they all read Tolkien and they're like, this is garbage. Um, but Yeah. And I mean, like, he's never inspired any other work of literature no, either. Never. Um, but... He does such a great job of 
building this world and building a history in the world. And and it's and it's evident it's evident in that that scene with the spirits. Because you've built what are these spirits? They're they're the the armies of the men that have come before that are they have an oath to fulfill and they can't rest until the oath is fulfilled and you know it's pretty cool. I mean it's, yeah. it's a good setup. Um to me so let's let, let's ask some questions here and and we've done this in the other episodes so so let's do this here. Um what is so we've got six things we want to kind of touch on. What is your favorite speech from this movie? Is it is it the My Braveheart favorite. speech? Um probably but you know, if there's one part that gets me, it's not really a speech, but the you bow to no one. At the end? Well, the first yeah. end, I, there, I, there's like four endings in this episode, in this movie. Yeah, the Aragon ending. Yeah, the Aragon ending. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I don't think that counts as a speech. So, I, yeah, I'd give it to the other one, but that is a scene that gets me every time. I tear up every time I see that, and I don't know why I do. Um but to see the four hobbits standing there and all the men around get on a knee, you know, I don't know. That's, that, that's emotional, man. You've been on this ride with them now for 10 hours. So yeah, that's an emotional moment. And I agree with you. That's, that ranks up there for me. I don't know. I'm torn between a couple of different, if, if you want to go with an out-and-out speech, it's got to be Aragorn's Braveheart speech, right? But yes, if you're going with best moment of dialogue, for me, it's it's Sam when he's like, you know, you may not let me carry it, but I'll carry you. And he picks Frodo up on the mountain and starts walking up the mountain together. Um, mm-hmm. That's a fantastic moment to me, too. I mean, that tears me up as well. Yes, that is. I just hit my knuckles on the table, and I, that was dumb. Um, how about best scene overall? Uh, best God, that's a hard one. There's a lot of good scenes. Because <laughs> I would – no, okay, that's not a hard one. Uh, the scene where um, – okay, I'm going to tell you a dirty secret that I have. Uh-oh. I can't tell you the difference between Mary and Pippin. <laughs> okay, so you're not the only one, because as much of a Lord of the Rings fan as I am, especially in the movie, it's difficult to tell which is which. I, I know that the guy from Lost plays one of them, mm-hmm. and I think it's Mary. You're talking about um, Dominic, uh, what's his last name, Moynihan? Monaghan. Mo- Monaghan, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he plays... Um, He's Mary, right? <laughs> I was trying to cheat and look at look at IMDb, but I've taken too long to scroll, and now I'm like, "Fuck!" I looked like an idiot. <laughs> so you don't know either. No, it's uh, damn it. All right, <laughs> <laughs> there's Sean Astin. There's oh my, there. This is this is by cat oh, by credit order to hell with that. Oh. Uh, I don't even know what where they are on the credits. Yep, whatever. Anyway, the one that like gets the gazing ball and has to go with Gandalf. Yes. Mary is Monahan. Okay. So yeah, so Pippin. 
Pippin. Pippin goes with Gandalf, and he keeps making stupid decision after stupid decision. He gets to be with the steward of Gondor, mm-hmm. and he sings the song as... Oh, um, he's eating the tomatoes. Yeah, as Baromir is going into battle, and it's just like this slow motion with this beautiful, like, haunting, you know, Middle-earth uh, melody going on. And um, I always call him Piglet's, like, evil twin. Mm-hmm. Like the the um like dwarf that looks like Piglet's evil twin. Yeah, and like he's like firing on them. Oh my god, that is like my favorite scene. I think probably throughout the whole of the series. That scene touches on something we really haven't talked a ton about, and that's the music. The music is uplifting when it needs to be uplifting, and haunting when it needs to be haunting. It's one of those scores I would listen to when I was doing homework. Yeah. Oh yeah. I play it for D&D nights sometimes. I'll just crank yeah. it up and we'll just let it play in the background. I mean, obviously it's a fantasy score anyway, but it's perfect for D&D. Exactly. Yeah, the music in the whole series is beautiful. I mean, oh, like yeah. it just goes with it. And it's funny because the, the books, there was a lot of music and singing and everything like that. You would like if – if someone told me before I saw the movie, because I didn't know anything about it, you could have told me, yeah, Tolkien made music and they just took the music and composed it. I would have believed it because it just fits so perfectly. It does. Um, I actually did, uh, when I went back to college, <clears throat> um, one of the things I, I did. Story. Huh? I love the story. Yeah. I, this is my mistake. Uh, we, I, did, I took a film music course. Uh, music and film, and it was actually a fantastic course, um, talking about how music can really set a tone. And one of the th- one of the examples they used was uh, the scene at the beginning of the movie Up, and and he changed the music on it. And while it didn't change what was happening, obviously in the animation, it kind of changed the emotion around the scene, right? Um, so it's similar in Lord of the Rings. The emotion is set by the music a lot of ways. So. We didn't do this movie for for class, but the professor says, hey, if you guys could include one, and he's a new professor, so I'm thinking, he's, he's just wanting our input. He goes, if you get to choose one movie that we would need to add to this class, what would you choose? And I was like, oh, hands down, Lord of the Rings. And he's like, well, would you make it the extended edition or the regular theatrical cut? And I was like, well, if you're doing it, you have to do extended edition, right? You have to you have to pull in the whole thing. He goes, awesome. That's your final. Do the entire movie and do uh, music cue notes on the entire movie. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I had to turn in this huge paper of music cues for the entire movie. 14 hours later. Yeah, exactly. And um, it, it took me a long time. But honestly, some of the things that you don't pick up even are the themes like, each character has a theme music that plays with them. I mean, anybody who's watched Star Wars knows that. Every character mm-hmm. has a theme music. Um, but the ring itself has a theme of its own, you know? And it's so well done. I mean, we can't we can't overlook Howard Shore's contribution to this. Because no. it's just fantastic. Like I said, if, if this place was real, which... I, I told that story on the podcast how people thought it was real in my class, right? I don't know. Try go ahead. Okay, so I was teaching because I teach a um, 
digital entrepreneurship class. And a lot of that has to do with film. So we talked mm-hmm. about movies and we were talking about Lord of the Rings. And the student in mine, and I am 99% sure he was serious, said, well, that's based on a true story. And the class grinded <laughs> to a halt because I said, what? explain. He's like, yeah, this stuff happened a long time ago and it's been lost to man. But, you know, um, this is what happened before the Middle Ages. So, again, I, I'm like, okay, so it went fall of the Roman Empire, Middle Earth, the Dark Ages. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so we didn't have wizards, dragons, <laughs> or dwarves. We did? And it, it lasted like 5,000 years and then crusades? No, no, it was just like 100 years. Okay, hang on a minute. I'm not sure which one I'm more is offended the right word or surprised. I don't know, maybe offended. I don't know which one is more offensive that he thinks this happened in this world or that he thinks it was only about a hundred years long. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that know that, you know, Tolkien took from like Middle Earth is pretty much Europe. Yes. But yeah, like like, you know, it's supposed to be this long time ago. But, yeah, he literally believed that this was, like, do, before the, like, Crusades. Do you think he was trolling you or do you think he actually believed it? it I thought he was trolling me for a good three or four minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, and, you know, because we had wizards and everything. He's like, no, they weren't really wizards. They were just kind of, like, scientists. And that, like, when he, like, explained it, like, really well oh, like that. My. That's when I started believing him. I'm like... What do you mean? He's like, well, they weren't, they weren't like, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't know magic. They just were good with like potions and gunpowder. So like they weren't casting fireballs. They were literally throwing explosives that nobody else knew about because they were scientists and making it look magical. Yes. That's what he believed. Oh Christ. <laughs> so like I said, I don't think we did anything for like 15 minutes because I just kept asking him. <laughs> that would have ground. I mean, that would have ground my entire day to a halt. Or the rest of yeah. our conversation that day would have been on this. I would have been grilling him to find out if he was serious. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what he said about the ghost. So I'm like, what? What about the like ring wraiths? Uh-huh. But he had like some answer to that. Oh, and God. so yeah, he pretty much believes that you know it was like just middle age time, but they just oh made it bigger. Okay, so. Obviously, we live in a world of crazy conspiracy theories, whether it comes from flat Earth to to whatever, 6,000-year-old Earth, whatever. This has to rank up there. Yeah. That so I don't Earth know if like, his ladies. dad just messed with him when he was younger and just never told him the truth or something. I kind of have a new life goal as a parent. <laughs> to do that? To, to teach my youngest daughter that Middle Earth is real and actually happened. Yeah. I lost my opportunity because my kids are too old. You still have the I chance of one. I have a chance. I'm not still so working on it, but start doing that. I got a chance. Yep. All right. So that I think I've lost my train of thought now. But anyway, so we're talking about the music. So yes, you know, if you would have told me that, like they dug up this music from you know many centuries ago and played it, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because it, it does. It just fits with the movie so well. Yeah. No, it does. It does 100%. Um, 
Is her is her name Inya? Is that the is that the singer that did the May It Be? Yeah, she yeah. did one of them. Wasn't there someone else that did Shane O'Connor do one of them? I don't remember. I have to look it up. But I know Inya came out with the the more famous of them with the whole May It Be. But I read a story on her when she made that song. Um, she she had everybody record their parts separate from each other. Uh-huh. And I guess some of the musicians... Annie Lennox was Annie the Lennox. one in Return of the King. Gotcha. So with Annie, she had, she had some of the musicians that would read only their part and not the whole... Because she would only give them their part. She wouldn't give them the whole music, the whole score. And they would read that part and, and say, we're not doing this because this is absolute insanity music. This is stupid. And so she... Be like, fine, if you're not going to do it, I'll get somebody else to, you know? And eventually, uh-huh. what she did was they all recorded their parts separately and independently, and it came out to be May It Be, which is a hauntingly beautiful song as well. Yes. Um, but you're right. The the song with with Faramir and, and, and the Gon... <laughs> the Gondorians? The Gonorians? The Gonorians? I think that's a sexual transmitted disease. Is it, or is it where they live? I don't know. But when they when they go across that field, it's it's just beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the mixture of sound, sight, motion, and emotion, and it is it's just perfect. In a way, you see, and and I think you t- you touched on something there. As they're going across that field, the way visually even they are painted and portrayed on the screen is it, it's just. They know they're going to die, but mm-hmm. they're doing it valiantly and with honor. And then you cut back to the steward, Denethor, and, I think his name is. And, yeah. And he's just grotesque. He's, he's absolutely grotesque. Tomatoes? Yeah, and they're leaking out of his mouth. And it's just like blood oh. is coming from him. Yeah, it's just absolutely – he's portrayed to be absolutely grotesque. And I think that's such a great scene in that regard as well. I mean, not mm-hmm. only music, but visually, just it's just such a good scene. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. Best scene. It's hard to argue with that. It really is. Um, best hero for this particular movie, not for the three, but for this one. See, you're you're gonna go with Sam, but I think this is um, Aragon's movie to shine. No, I, I'm gonna change out because I've done Sam for two. In this particular one, I think I think I think I agree with you. Aragorn Aragorn shines. Yeah, he gets his awesome sword. Mm-hmm. He brings in you know a army of dead. He helps defeat the first one. Does the Braveheart speech? Says for Frodo and literally runs by himself towards the Black Gate. Yeah, with them completely outnumbered and surrounded. Yes, and he's like, "I'll do this myself. I don't care. I'll go die." Yeah. He's going to die, but he's going to die for his friends. Yeah, I so agree get, with you. Just the hope. Just that 1% because everybody thinks they're dead at this time. Yeah, that no. That 1% hope, he would do it. I agree with you. And I have – you. if you've listened to the previous two episodes, you know how I harp on, on Sam being the hero of the trilogy. But in this movie, it's, it's Aragorn. Aragorn does everything he has to do. And it is also called Return of the King, so. Well, I guess that's true too. movie. Yeah, it's kind of his movie to ruin. Um, coolest Legolas moment. If you don't say the same thing I'm thinking, 
then we might have oh, a fight. I mean, it, that's there's not even a choice. It's the uh, elephants. Oh yeah, it's the elephants. <laughs> Climbs up on top of him. He's shooting everybody off of him, and, and then he like goes down the trunk and, and lands right in front of Gimli. And Gimli's like, "That still only counts as one." Yes, <laughs> I love it. That's. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't think there's another Legolas moment in the entire trilogy to me that compares to that one. No, the closest one is when he like skates down the shield. On uh, Helms, Helms Deep, deep and then yeah. like impales the other one, but that that that's a distant second. Yeah. All right. What character would you want to be in this movie? Hmm. Which one? I, I know for my answer. I'll give you my answer right off the bat because I don't even okay. think about it. Aragorn. I and not not that I could be Aragorn in this, but I would want to be Aragorn in this because think about it, man. He's he's getting everything in this movie. He is this movie. I mean, he shows he shows absolute every ounce of humanity he has comes forward in this movie. And there's no doubt in my mind that he's getting chicks when he goes back to back to the White City. Yeah. Absolutely no but doubt in my mind. He's got the elf girl, so he's good. And um, he is. You know, I'd probably I'd honestly say that, but just to make the podcast a little more interesting, I'll go Gandalf. Because he's doing a lot behind the scenes. Because one another scene that I just love that we haven't talked about is the um, like lighting of the beacons. Yeah. And yeah. again, just the music and the scenery and everything like that. But he's doing all these things behind the scenes, you know, dealing with the steward, trying to save uh, Faramir, um, rallying the town together when all hope is lost, dealing with well, Mary. And- and his speech with with Mary or Pippin, whichever one it is, where he's like, <laughs> whatever. We're just, gonna, we're just gonna start calling him Mippin. 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 Um, his speech where he says, you know, about what lies beyond death, when yes. they're sitting there. Oh, that's just such a that's such a good speech. You know. It rivals, in my opinion, it rivals, if not surpasses, his speech to Frodo in the first movie about not all of us, you know, can choose where we are, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is just as good a speech. And we also haven't talked about, um, uh, you know, to touch back on where Faramir goes out and obviously he gets the shit kicked out of him. Um, but Gandalf rides across that field by himself. With his staff up and light coming out of it. And that's just a cool scene, too. Yes. On his, like, white horse and everything. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I would go with that, too. Gandalf is also a very solid choice. Um, and the one character in this movie you can't recast. Um, can we just say all of them? <laughs> I, I think that's a legit answer, but I think we were trying to narrow it down to one. Okay, um, again, I would just say all of them, but one person that we haven't said yet, I'm going to give it to um, Carl Urban. Oh, yeah. No, you can't really recast him. He's good. Because he's been in so much since this. He was um, the Doctor. Well, I can't think of his name in Star Trek. Bones. Was he Bones? Oh, he yeah. was Bones. Yeah, you're right. He was Bones. He's been Dread. He was in... Uh, pitch black movie he's the really interesting he's not really a bad guy in ragnarok but he's just kind of there 
Okay, yeah, I get you. I, I'll get you there. And he's been in all these things, and I every time I see him in something, I get so excited to see that he's in a movie, and it's because he is he's the writer of Rohan. Yeah, he's Aomer. He's he's an awesome character. Um, yeah, so he's the one I couldn't recast. So I'm going to also say, obviously, all of them, but I'm going to go with Denethor, John Noble. Oh, I mean, God, he's so good. He's so good at being so slimy that I think we've kind of mentioned this before. I hate him at Dolores Umbridge level hatred, if not more. Yes. And his voice is so perfect. Oh, for it too. just is. And I mean, like, he's just this evil. I don't even Crazy, know what you want to say. Stupid. It. Yeah. I, and, you know, and, and one of my, one of my most satisfying scenes is him lighting himself on fire and running out. And jumping off the top of the city. Yes. Because you want the people that you hate to die a, like, horrible, prolonged death in these things. That's got to be a horrible death for him. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, he lights himself on fire. You see him running for a very long time, screaming in horrendous pain. And then then jumping off off the top of the thing and plummets to his death while still on fire. While the city is under attack. Yes. So yeah, that and like that was so much better than um, when the Lannisters just die in rubble. Yeah, we don't discuss that. Yeah, but again, I really showed, wanted them to die. Much more. It showed the difference. It did. We were waiting seven years for uh, what's your face to Cersei. die horribly. Yeah, I wanted Cersei to die more than just a brick falls on her head. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I mean, something's got to happen more than that. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Denethor running out on fire. And and to add insult to injury, he's on fire because he's going to set Faramir's body on fire. Because he thinks he's dead when he's not. He's not dead. And Faramir opens his eyes and looks at him as he's on fire, and that's when he runs out. Mm-hmm. And that's just... So, I, it's oh. funny. You know what that scene always reminds me of, though? What's that? When he's not dead and like um, mipping, it keeps going. He's not dead. He's. I'm just thinking of. Uh, I'm not Holy dead. <laughs> he's he's dead. No, I'm not. You're almost dead. I feel much better. I now. feel much better. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Bring out your dad. <laughs> I'm not dead. Oh. Yeah. So that always reminds me of that. And add insult to injury. Gandalf kind of bitch smacks oh, Daryl. Yeah, he Whaps <laughs> him with his staff, which uh-huh. is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so I loved Denethor. I love John Noble as Denethor, and I love the way he died. Honestly, I mean, he died like a punk ass bitch, like he should have. Yeah, another um, uh, like honorable mention is Bernard Hill as uh, King Theoden. Yeah, I mean. I sometimes think uh, Bernard Hill, uh, John Noble, I think some of these kind of what, what you would consider the supporting cast goes forgotten because the, the, the main cast is just so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can't overlook the contributions that they made to this movie. But honestly, how many people in the supporting cast, when you see show up something to this day, so 17 years later, do you go, oh, it's... Faramir, or, oh, it's, you know, 
Well, not Boromir, because that's Sean Bean. But... That's Sean Bean, and Sean Bean's in everything. Yeah, but, like, it was funny, because I watched Titanic with my girls a few years ago, mm-hmm. and King Theoden is the captain. Yeah, he is. I'm like, look at that! I didn't know he was in this, and, like, I got so excited. He made it before Lord of the Rings, but I'm like, look, it's Lord of the Rings guy. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> I guess that's right. I even see them in things they were in before Lord of the Rings, and I'm still like, oh, Lord of the Rings, dude. Yeah, I saw this movie where Sam, like, tries to play football. Uh, is that called Ruby? Ruby? Yeah. That's a good one, Ruby. Yeah. I don't think it was that big of a movie, but I'm like, hey, look, it's Sam, and he's trying to play football. Let him play football. Yeah, I think he tried to play for some, like, no-name college somewhere. Yeah, Boise State, maybe? No, that's a named college. I think it was. Oh, okay. I think it was like some no-name football college, like Notre Dame. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but like I even look at um, oh the guy who played um, uh, well Fairmere, the guy who played Fairmere. I see him in other movies, and I'm like, oh my god, he's he was so good in in Lord of the Rings, and you don't realize that he's just so good in so many other things. Like when he was the bad guy. In the Iron Fist Netflix show, uh-huh. you kind of looked at him. You're like, "Oh, dude, that's the guy from Lord of the Rings," and he's also the guy that's missing the eye that tells a story in 300. He is. Yes, you're correct. Um, which, man, if they got abs like that, I need to find out what workout they were on, other than digitally enhanced. Yes. See, it went ancient Greece, ancient Rome, Middle Earth. Middle Ages, Middle Ages, slightly before the Crusades. Yes. <laughs> um, believe it or not, looking at his at his um, at his uh, IMDb page, I did not realize he was in Moulin Rouge. Who is he? Because I have seen that movie. Audrey. His name is Who's Audrey. That? I I don't know. I have to watch it again. I'm trying to think who that is. I don't know. I'd have to watch it again. Like, I don't. Huh. I don't really know. But yeah, it's. And anybody that's listening to this, if you want a good date movie that <laughs> you and your date hasn't seen, guys, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Oh no, it's a highly underrated movie. I love it. Yeah, I do. The Moulin Rouge, the movie. I can't speak for the Broadway musical. I can't speak for that. But the movie only has one unique song created specifically for the movie. Everything else is a medley mashup of other songs, but it only has the one unique song, and it's that um, "Come What May." Come What May, yeah, yeah. That's but you're right. It's a fantastic movie, visually, audio, everything. Just a great movie. Yes. Baz Lorman is crazy, crazy, but that's a great movie. Yes, it is. Um, it's great because he's crazy. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, but yeah. So, getting back to the question. <laughs> back, back to those questions. Um. No, I think that was the end of the questions, but I think we've come across some some interesting things. So let's just kind of wrap up the whole Lord of the Rings series and, and touch on briefly, we're not going to go into the Hobbits, but obviously the Hobbits movies are born of the su- success of the Lord of the Rings. Um, they're not to the same caliber. and But here's the thing. If not for Lord of the Rings... Would the three Hobbit films be, hey, those were good? Would they? 
Yeah, I think, and like I still say, hey, they're good, but they're just not great. And right. I still say part of the problem was they got wrapped up in number one, it was too many movies. They shouldn't have just because it worked with Lord of the Rings didn't mean they had to do it with this. True. If if you made two, that'd be fine. And you know, I think another big problem is they went from practical effects. Oh, it was noticeable. To special to like CG, and it just it looked ugly. It was extremely noticeable that uh, they went from t- they went to, to pure CGI. I mean, it's Ugh. just it was it was like it made your eyes hurt. It just did, at least me. And you know, another um, little confession I'll make here for me, like Del Toro, who was originally supposed to do the Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. he's hit and miss for me. Yeah. Like, when I think he's good, he's awesome. But when the movies don't work, I'm just kind of like, eh. Like Pacific Rim didn't do anything for no. me. Um, I like Crimson Peak just because it's kind of cringily bad, actually. I mean, it looks beautiful. He shot the hell out of it, but the story's really bad. But I, and like, I think Peter Jackson's a much better filmmaker. But I would have loved to have seen Del Toro because what I think they needed for The Hobbit was a different look. Okay. I don't and, you know. That. Peter Jackson was kind of like that guy, you know, like Aerosmith has done it, Rolling Stones and all these rock bands that after they haven't had a few hits, they're going to go back and kind of just make Satisfaction again or Living on the Edge again or something like that. They're like, but this works. And I feel like that was some of the problem with The Hobbit. Like, everybody loved Legolas. We need a Legolas character. No, fuck that. Let's just bring back Let's Legolas. Put Legolas in this. No, fucking Legolas is not in The Hobbit anywhere. But let's add a girl Legolas too, which I like her. You know, she's a good character. <clears throat> I didn't mind, but yeah, it was just you could just tell like they're yeah, okay. They were we reaching. need this because we had this in the first one. They were reaching pretty far on some of those characters. Yeah, I mean. I <laughs> I know you're gonna say about this, but I love Radagast the Brown, but the the portrayal of him and and did they really need him in the movie? Probably not. And did they need him covered in bird shit? <laughs> no, they, no, he needed to be covered in bird shit. I mean, Radagast I is he likes animals. Oh, a lot. Let them- let the mice crawl in his beard and everything, but did he need the bird shit all over <laughs> no, him? He, needed, he absolutely had to be covered in bird shit. Because, again, we're going back to the, you know, it was ugly in times, and some of the things they did with him, I couldn't <laughs> it was ugly. I did like his, his super-fast jackrabbit mounts that he had. Yes. His sled hitch, too. Um, but I'm pretty sure if he got into any fight, he would be out of that fight in three seconds. No, I agree with you. So here's here's my quick hot take on the Hobbit movies. The things that made Lord of the Rings movies great are the same things that are missing from The Hobbit. And that is, you mentioned the practical effects, and that's true. But for me, it's the story. The world is not there. Like, how many times in The Hobbit does Gandalf visit one of the Doles? And by the dolls, I mean the the keeps and castles of the enemy. And it's dull. And there's nothing. And nothing happens. Yeah. You know, that's supposed to be like, oh, we know what this is because they set it up really well just before this, and 
But they didn't. And even, like, the whole thing with Smaug didn't do it for me. I love dragons. Smaug See, I, I love I love the part with Smaug. I actually have a Smaug um, tattoo as well. Well, I will say that the attack, the Battle of Five Armies where he attacks the city, I'm good with that. Yeah. No, I, I loved when him and um, Bilbo have their little the off. like dialogue scene. And it's also because I'm a huge fan of Sherlock, so it's like, oh, look. Sherlock and um, Sherlock and Holmes, or Holmes, and, and, uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson are together yeah. again. That's true, they were. Um, it, and there are a few things I really love. Thorn Oakenshield was great. I loved, 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 loved uh, Bard. Yep. Because I mean, like in the book, yes. I think he's got what, like four lines. I don't think he has many. Um, but no. Luke Evans, oh my god, he just. He fit into that world so well. You know, you would you could put him in Lord of the Rings and he'd fit in there. He gave that same sort of gravitas to it. He he's one that could you're right. From the Hobbit, he is one that could have played in Lord of the Rings of the actors. So, yeah, so you know, I love those two characters. And Bilbo is really good too. So there are things I really, really do enjoy in the Hobbit. It's just it's not Lord of the Rings and it's stretched too far. I don't disagree with you. Um, he, I didn't feel like it was nearly as epic as Lord of the Rings. And, and it's not, it's not, it simply isn't, but you're putting it in the same world. You've got to keep some of that world building. You've got to keep some of that. It never pulled me into the world like Lord of the Rings did. Yeah. And the thing that really bummed me out was they kept saying, oh, we're making three movies, but we're bridging the two. I wanted them to bridge more of it. They didn't bridge it. They still stopped at the end of Battle of the Five Armies. Like, I wanted there to be, like, 40 minutes of then we see Sauron marching to power. Saruman, you know, getting his armies together. All this stuff. Yeah, you that would have been cool. You never really see any of that. I mean, you just yeah. don't. You know, so... Yeah, if you're going to expand it, like you're saying, expand it into the universe and show us something cool. Well, I'm curious now to see what are they going to do with their $700 billion TV show they're going to put out. Because, honestly, the foundation is there. They're throwing a ton of money at it. And they they can really only fail themselves. Does that make sense? Like, it's set mm -hmm. up to succeed. So the only way they're going to fail is if they screw it up themselves. But, you know, you started out this, you know, mentioning blue balls. I The one thing I'm really concerned about is I think this series is going to give us blue balls because we're never going to get that climatic battle of good versus evil. Correct, because that comes in and, – and that comes at the end of, of – Lord of the Rings. Return of the King, yeah. Um, you're right. You're not going to get it. Um I'm curious as to how they're going to do the setting because obviously the setting is significantly earlier. So how are they going to do it? I don't know. I'm curious. I'm 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 going to watch it. I'm going to watch every episode. I'm going to love it. But I'm I'm with you. It could be one of those shows that you're right. Just kind of gives you blue balls, and you just sit there and you go, "Well, now what?" Yeah, and like. It, it'll be like, okay, they defeat this big enemy. It's like, well, he wasn't really the big enemy. 
The big enemy's still out there. He doesn't get defeated until Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, hundreds of thousands of years later, you know? Obviously not, but you know. So, I'm curious to see how it's going to go. Um, similarly to how we've talked about Star Wars going forward, I wouldn't mind that either. It doesn't... The, the, the Middle-Earth TV show doesn't have to be a focus on Sauron and that area. It could yeah. just be saving their little part of the world. You know? And I'd be okay with that, too. Um, it just depends on how they do it. But for me, that's that's kind of where I stand on Lord of the Rings. Um, do you have any final thoughts you want to put in? No, you know, it's one of those things that I, I feel like people don't talk about it as much as Star Wars anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think I enjoy it just as much, if not more, than Star Wars. I watch yeah. them probably more. Um, it's just damn well made. I mean, it's just – it is one of those things you just look at and you can marvel at the whole or you can drill, drill down into I love these five se- seconds of this scene. You know, yeah. I, I love this – uh, slow take by Gimli where he goes that still counts as one or um, the few seconds where um, the sword that you see the sword being put together and they whip it out and you're just like that's awesome yeah I think you're right this movie this trilogy is an epic trilogy that also has those individual two minute moments of magic and it's it it deserves honestly it deserves to be talked about at least as much as Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Not just for what it's done you know culturally. Everybody's seen Star Wars. Well, hell, everybody should have probably seen Lord of the Rings by now. Yes, exactly. But also for just its impact on filmmaking. It's it's we we could go into a 10 hour podcast on the film on, on the cinema, a cinema cinematography, fuck, cinematography techniques that they used. And you know, we, we're not doing that because that's not what we do, but yes, we could. Um, so I don't know, but to me, it deserves a higher place than it gets in pop culture reference and in, in discussions. Um, I hope everybody who has listened to these three episodes has frankly enjoyed them. Um, and I hope to God you've seen Lord of the Rings. And please, for sorry the, for spoiling every single thing. Yeah. For the love of God, if you haven't, go sit down this weekend and watch them. Or if you haven't watched them in a while, yeah. watch them again. They have not aged today. No. No. We've talked about some movies that you're like, well, it's still good, but it's aged. These haven't. Yeah. These could have been made last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, they don't look old. They don't feel old. Nope. They're just as enjoyable and they work just as well. But do you know why? That goes back to practical effects. Mm-hmm. Practical effects never age quite like CGI does. Yeah, because bad CGI ages really bad. Yeah. And good practical we- effects don't. We we know that from when we watched all the 1999 movies a few years back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We remember some of those. Those were good. Or 98. It was 98. Movies. It was 98 movies. Yeah. Now we're into 
2000 movies if we did that again, but yeah, have- but you know, like something like Deep Rising where it just had <laughs> CG, but it was, it was bad, it was worse than like a sock puppet. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you haven't listened to our Deep Rising episode, that may have been one of my most fun watches because it was just horrible. My favorite thing about when we we're going back and doing those, what killed it was when we had to go back and watch Lost in Space because you were pretty much like, no. <laughs> it really did. That's where it ended. We changed We changed our theme. Hey, this is perfect. The Lost in Space TV show on Netflix. We can do it. Do you want to watch it? And you're like, no. <laughs> Lost in Space movie was horrible. I mean, we watched we watched bad movies, but we, that's Lost in Space, man. That is one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. I would okay. I'm gonna say something that could offend maybe even you, but especially some people. I would probably watch Battlefield Earth before I watched Lost in Space. Battlefield Earth didn't have that annoying little like monkey alien no, it thing. Didn't. Battlefield Earth is a horrendous movie, and I'm, I'm not saying it's better than Lost in Space. But I'd still watch it before I watched Lost in Space. Yeah. Battlefield Earth also didn't have Matt, you know, Joey Tribbiani LeBlanc <laughs> trying right. to be like a big hero and everybody realizing that man cannot act. That dude can't act. He was playing he, – he, he, he became famous because when he was Joey, he didn't have to act. He just had to act stupid. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> and I don't know how much of an act that was. I don't think he was much of an act. Um. So, yeah, go back, watch these movies. If you haven't seen them ever, if you haven't seen them in a while, this weekend, just sit down and watch them. What What are some other ones that you would put in, like, that it's never age? You, they are still as good as they were when they made. Those are tough. Um, because there are some movies I would put in there because I feel like the movie itself hasn't aged, but the content of the movie has. For example, Red October. Yeah. I don't think Red October is a bad movie. I think it's still fantastic. But the content of the movie, people today simply would not understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause, but I mean, like, even like, I love Harry Potter, but oh, the aged. Harry Potter movies look old. Yeah. They, they haven't they aged as well as I thought they would. But something like Wizard of Oz, you can still put on for a four-year-old today and they'll watch it. Yeah. Um. A lot of Disney animated films are the same way. You know, My, Cinderella looks older with the animation techniques, but kids can still watch it. Casablanca is another one that is still yeah. immensely watchable. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I would go, um, you know, it, it's hard to say, but even some of those, some of those, you know, mid 50s, 60s movies, I mean, okay. Let's Godfather. even Godfather's in there, um, Scarface, but you could even toss in movies like I mean I know they're not exactly what you're talking about here, but um, Holy Grail. Oh yeah, it was never no, meant to be anything that we can show our kids or like my students, and mm-hmm. they will still watch it. Like yeah, because I'll I'll try to show them a lot of old movies and like oh this is old, this is old fashioned. But I show them some like it hot almost every year. Oh, yeah. Kids it's still love movie. those movies today. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think there are some movies that kids won't watch today. North by Northwest, I enjoy, but I don't think I get kids to watch it. 
No, like younger people. Because there's uh, and like that's one of the one Hitchcock movies I don't think has aged as well. Right, I agree with you. That's why I chose that one. Because we could watch a James Bond movie and it does it better. Yeah, I still like North by Northwest. Yeah, no, but it's, it's still Hitchcock. Yeah, but it's not. It certainly doesn't rank up among his best. No, I don't know. So yeah, I, I do. I agree with you though. Lord of the Rings is one of those that ten years from now, even we'll be talking about how it's still. Holds up. It just does. I think so. It just simply does. So that's going to be the end of our Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, with a toss in the middle for the DC fandom uh, special episode we did. Um, We are discussing some some ways to get back onto a relatively regular schedule. So that'd be okay. Even if we could put out an episode once every other week. Ideally, we could do once every week, but if we could even do once every other, that's good, in my opinion. Um, so we've got some ideas. Stay tuned. We'll we'll get some more content tossed up and tossed out, and we may even have some special episodes here and there tossed in. Um, We're gonna do a musical episode where we sing through the whole thing. Yep, I agree. Um, and and I'll wear my shark's jacket if you wear your jet's jacket. Okay, and we'll just. But can we do, like, you wear the San Jose Sharks starter jacket from, like, 1994? With, like, the leather sleeves? Yeah, and I wear my, like, starter jacket of the New York Jets from mm-hmm. about the same age. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, because I have that San Jose Sharks jacket. You know I do, of course. Yes, who doesn't have San Jose Sharks stuff? Yeah, I agree. I mean, every bit as popular as Quebec Nordiques. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, speaking of that, I saw uh, one of the original Mighty Ducks jerseys the other day from the, from the NHL Mighty Ducks. And I was like, oh my God, it is bad. I forgot how bad those jerseys were. Yes. They're better now. Because remember, when they first came out, they were the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Yeah, and they were the, they were the same jersey <laughs> as the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now they're just the Ducks, and it's better. But, um, yeah, so... Um, so that's the end of this. Again, we do have some, some content that will be coming your way in terms of special episodes and things of that nature and a more regular scheduled programming kind of thing that we're working on. So, uh, if you enjoy us, Hey, leave us a review, write us a message, send us an email, say hi. Um, never did hear back from our, our fan who's going to do the episode with us here. So, uh, hopefully we hear from them sometime. Yeah, hopefully we hear from them again someday, and and they didn't die of the Rona. Um, but stay safe out there, folks. Um, we'll try to give you some entertainment. All six of you that listen, <laughs> some <laughs> some entertainment as we uh, as we continue to trudge through this thing. So uh, we will wrap up Lord of the Rings, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Thanks. Mm-hmm.